Hey, New Life Church. I'm Pastor Rick Bazette, and uh, clearly I have a little bit of a problem with my voice. and So I had to call an audible, and uh, I called a good one, though. I called in my son. Uh, no one wants to hear rasp for long periods of time, so that's why I have my son here. It was last weekend that I had him speak at the West Little Rock campus, and I was there, and it was just such a good word on attitude. He's not just going to preach about a good attitude. He tries to live that way, and I thank God for him. Uh, my, my other son, uh, Hunter, pastors at the Conway campus, and you know, his attitude, I just, I love my kids. I'm sure you love your kids. But man, that word that he gave, I think we need to hear it. So how is your attitude? During worship, I want you to think about that. And I want you to open up your hearts. Because it doesn't matter if God has blessed him to teach it if your ears are not receptive. So let's pay attention to what God wants. Worship with all your heart. And then we're going to give the word to you. It's going to help you. My boy Tanner. He's not that handsome, but he's nice. God bless you. <laughs>
Hello, New Life Church. My name is Tanner Bezet. My wife, Emily, and I come from the West Little Rock campus where we get to pastor students. So excited to be able to talking uh, to be able to be talking to you guys here today. Look, before we go any further, I want to honor Pastor Rick and Michelle. I want to honor my parents. And I think when people think about Pastor Rick and Michelle, they think about 18 campuses. They think about a big church. Think about all that God has done. And yes, that is incredible. But as their son, I think way before that. I think back when we were just kids and we moved from Louisiana to Arkansas and the fear that they must have felt, fear of failure, not knowing any families, but setting that fear aside to just focus on God. And when I think of mom and dad, I think of a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 that says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. Mom and dad never eagerly desired a big church. They just eagerly desired to, to know Jesus better and for other people to know him as well. And I remember every single morning coming downstairs, looking at mom and mom being in her chair with her Devo in her right hand and her Bible in her left hand, eagerly desiring to be able to get a word from God on how to parent better, on how to love better. And then I remember dad in his room on his hands and his knees before the Lord, eagerly desiring to get a word from God about what he should share that weekend, what family he should go after, which man in our church was hurting. Before they ever desired a big church, they desired to have a relationship with the Lord and taught us that as well. And I just want to say, mom and dad, if you're watching, thank you so much for teaching me, for teaching Hunter, Haley, Grace, how to have a relationship with the Father and how to eagerly desire Him. And what's so cool is that I know that they're still eagerly desiring God even in this season right now. And I think God, because of that, has given them an attitude that surpasses understanding. They're not discouraged right now during this pandemic. In fact, they're encouraged right now to pastor people. And I think that is awesome. So mom and dad, I love you. I'm clapping for you. Everybody else in here, they can't because they're holding cameras and mics, but I promise if they could, they'd be clapping as well. We love you guys so much. Speaking of attitudes, I think we would all probably say that we have a pretty decent attitude, pretty steady attitude until at least that one thing triggers us, right? My wife, she's the, the sweetest soul in the entire world. I mean, I think she's perfect. But if there's one thing that got her upset, it would be me doing the dishes the wrong way because she's had to tell me over and over and over again how to do it. It's like somebody having to teach a toddler how to do something. She'll tell me, Tanner, we clean the dishes in the right side of the sink, and then when they're done, we move them to the left side of the sink. But for some reason, this just doesn't click with me, and I forget over and over again. And I'll know when I mess up because she'll be doing the dishes and she'll start to do it loud, like she kind of wants me to know I did something wrong. What, what triggers you? Maybe it's traffic. Maybe you're having a great day, but the moment you get in your car and there's traffic out there, you just start to get mad. I've been watching road rage videos lately, and they always start with traffic. You might say, Tanner, why are you watching road rage videos? There's no way that's good for your spirit. You're right. It's probably not, but it's either that or the news. So obviously, I'm watching road rage videos right now. What triggers you? And something that triggered me that I had no idea would is recently a student, as a prank, put a live chicken in my backyard. Now, I know how to deal with dead chicken. I, I eat dead chicken, but a live chicken, I'm not really a farm boy, so didn't really know what to do with it. Went out there to try to take care of business, put them in my car, maybe just bring them to the nearest farm or drop them off at the nearest Chick-fil-A, save them a trip. But I didn't really realize how fast a chicken would be. 
And maybe this one was just different. Like this probably was the most athletic chicken that I've ever encountered in my entire life. And as I went to grab it, it would run away so fast and jump and even kind of fly for about six feet at least up in the air. I didn't know chickens could fly till that day. Hop over fences and neighbors' yards, but every night would end up back in my yard and every morning would peck at my window to wake me up. I was so mad at this chicken. I was having a great week until that day I encountered that chicken. Some things in life that trigger us are silly and, and some are serious. On a more serious note, a friend just recently sat me down and me and this friend have We've been friends for a really long time. And now we're in our mid-20s, and we've been friends since we were about seven or eight, just boys. And he told me, he said, Tanner, when we were kids, you had an attitude towards me, and um, it was a bad attitude, and I believe it kept me from being able to trust you. I believe it kept us from being able to be the friends that maybe we could have been. And he told me that that day, and he, he forgave me, and we prayed with one another, and it was awesome. But man, I'm trying to tell you that attitudes can get the best of us. The title of today's talk is Attitude Determines Altitude. Attitude Determines Altitude. Attitude, we know, is an emotion that we have towards somebody, maybe a behavior, an attitude that turns into a behavior. But attitude is also the direction in which an airplane is pointing. So if the nose of an airplane is pointing up, that means that the airplane is heading up, right? And if a nose of an airplane is pointed down, then the airplane, the direction is heading towards is, is to a crash. It's, it's relative, the airplane on which direction it's pointing is relative to the direction that it's going. And the same is true for our life. God might have an awesome plan for you, an awesome promise for you that you will never see, you might never see if you have a worldly attitude. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. That word conform means to be identical to your surroundings. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. The word transform means to be completely different by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Whenever I hang out with high school students, they're always trying to figure out what God's will is for their life. Where should I go to school? What should I do with my life? Who should I date? And I love to tell them in this scripture and point them to this scripture that perhaps maybe the one thing that could be keeping you from knowing what God is calling you to do is your attitude. And the same could be true for you listening in here today. So with that being said, I have a question for you. Do you think that you have a godly attitude? or worldly attitude? And I don't want you to just think about that question as if you were rating yourself, but take it from the angle as if your spouse was rating you on a scale of one to 10. One being a really worldly attitude, 10 being a really godly attitude. Where would they rate you? What about a teacher or a student or a friend? Where would they rate you on a scale of one to 10? Maybe for you it's segregated. Maybe in some areas you have a really godly attitude, but there's a couple areas where you have a really worldly attitude. Right now, in 2020, I've seen a lot of discouraged people. And as a pastor, that doesn't concern me because we're going to help them through it. We're going to pray with them. We're going to point them to the Word, and they're going to get past it. What concerns me as a pastor is when someone gets discouraged, they lose hope, and then they lose their attitude because our attitude determines our altitude. Our attitude determines if we're going to be able to see the promises that God has for us. John Maxwell says it this way in his book, The Winning Attitude. This is such a good quote. 
describes attitude perfectly. Never underestimate the power of your attitude. It is our best friend or our worst enemy. It is more honest and more consistent than our words. It has an outward look based on past experiences. It is a thing which draws people to us or repels them, and that is absolutely true. It is never content until it is expressed. It is a librarian of our past, the speaker of our present, and it's the prophet of our future. I once heard it said this way, a bad attitude is like a flat tire. You're not gonna get anywhere in life until you change it. One day, our family went on the worst vacation ever, the worst trip ever. We hopped in an RV, eight of us. Now, an RV, I think, is a great investment for a retired couple, you know, like one or two people driving across the United States. I mean, that's awesome, but eight, way too many. And we hopped in an RV in the middle of the winter, and we started heading west without even checking the weather. And that was, that was stupid. A bunch of Cajuns in an RV, not checking the weather, heading towards Colorado, bad idea. And we made it as far west as to Amarillo before we got stopped by a winter storm. And I'm not making up this name. This was the name of the winter storm, Winter Storm Goliath. And the name of the winter storm, it, it lived up to its name because we were gonna be stuck in Amarillo for the next three days, all stuck in an RV. And it wasn't until the first night where wind chills were below zero degrees that we figured out the heat in the front of the RV was broken. The heat in the back of the RV where mom and dad were staying wasn't broken. Now mom and dad, they love us, but dad doesn't love us enough to be cold with us. So they shut that door, and this is before I was married, so I had no one to cuddle with to keep me warm, except our four pound dog, Rudy, which did nothing. And there I am, mad as ever, not sleeping at all, shivering in my seat, thinking, is this vacation ever gonna be done? The next day though, we woke up laughing and we chose that trip to have good attitudes. And to this day, it's probably the trip we joke about the most, laugh about the most, and have the most memories about. I wanna give you guys a, a few truths about our attitudes here today. And the first truth I wanna tell you is that we choose our attitudes. We choose our attitudes. There was a man named Viktor Frankl in World War II. He was a Jew and he was a, a prisoner of Nazis in, in, the, uh, in a concentration camp called Auschwitz that you've probably heard of before. Now, a brief history lesson on World War II. The Nazis killed and exterminated six million Jews. It, it's hard to even fathom how someone could be as evil as to kill six million people. And Viktor Frankl was a prisoner in one of the camps called Auschwitz where they killed a lot of Jews in gas chambers. And they brought he and his family there. And while he was there, they, they killed his mother. His wife died in the camp. His brother died in that camp. And of his intermediate family, only he and his sister survived. And they, they forced him to extremely tough labor every single day. They starved him. And in the worst circumstances of his life, I literally cannot imagine worse circumstances, he wrote in his journal that we have documented today. He said, I choose to suffer with dignity. Regardless of what one of the Nazis do to me, I will never hate one of them. Now, is this a quote about suffering, forgiveness, attitude? I don't know, but I do know this brother has a better attitude than me. Like, man, give me a knife and let me get revenge and then we can talk about forgiveness. But how do you have an attitude like that? I think you have to choose it, right? Deuteronomy 31.6 says, be strong, take courage, don't be intimidated. Don't give them a second thought because God, your God, is striding ahead of you. He's right there with you. 
He won't let you down. He will not leave you. The second sentence of this verse says to take courage. Courage is an attitude because we have a choice to be able to have it or not. And the Bible clearly tells us that we have to take it. Just like any other attitude, we have to choose our attitude each day. Dad always says that there's certain birds that look for dead things. And when they look for dead things, they find dead things. There's other birds, like hummingbirds, who look for sweet things. And when they look for sweet things, they find sweet things. And the same is true with our attitude. If we have a bad attitude going around looking for bad things in life, we're going to find it. And if we have a good attitude going around looking for good attitudes in life, we'll find that as well. We choose our attitudes. Number two, attitudes are not caused by people or circumstances. There's a lie that states, man, if my circumstances were better, I'd have a better attitude. But that's simply not true. We can't really connect that to reality. Let's look at Adam and Eve, for example. They had it perfect. Perfect circumstances that you could even imagine. They had perfect bodies. They lived in a perfect garden. They were literally hanging out with God every single day. They lived to be 900 years old. That's old. If you're listening in today and you're 900 years old, I'm telling you right here to your face, you're old. You're, you're old as dirt. That's, that's really, really old. They lived to be 900 years old. How many of you feel like 2020 has lasted 900 years? Come on, somebody. It's been forever. I'm so ready for 2021. They had the perfect circumstances, perfect bodies. But in the middle of their perfect circumstances, they got bitter. They got curious. They got selfish. And God gave them one rule not to eat the fruit from one tree. And they chose to do it. And they broke that promise. In fact, this whole sermon today is for Adam and Eve. When I get to heaven someday, I'm going to have a really, really long talk with them. They mess it up for everybody. You can't really correlate or connect circumstances with our attitude. King David, for example, in the worst seasons of his life, he had the best attitude. And in the best seasons of his life, he had the worst attitude. You look at, in, in the book of Psalms. He wrote half the book of Psalms. Do you know when he wrote that? It was when he was being chased down out of his kingdom. King Saul was trying to kill this man, and he chose to have a good attitude in that season. But look at the best season of his life. He's king over all of Israel, probably one of the leading forces in the world at the time. His, his kingdom is winning in battle. He's making money. He's writing songs. He's hearing from the Lord. And in that season, he sees Bathsheba. He commits adultery, and he kills his friend. You can't really correlate and connect circumstances with our attitude. Some of you guys here listening in, you're in the best season of your life and you're making bad choices. While others of you, you might be in the worst season of your life. You've never been in a season like this before. And God is trying to teach you that you do not have to let your circumstances define your attitude because he wants to lift you up to a place that you've never been to before. Attitudes are not caused by people or circumstances. Number three, happiness is a chosen attitude, not a state of being. Happiness is a chosen attitude. It's, it's not just a state of being. I have this friend, his name is Clay. We're in a young adult group together and he's the happiest friend I, I know. This man always has a smile on his face. If, if you want your day to be brighter, call that guy. He'll give you a compliment. You'll feel better about yourself and you'll be ready to go. Clay's so happy. He's always smiling. Well, one day his girlfriend called me and said, you need to reach out to Clay right now. His car got stolen. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to be here for my friend. So I called him expecting him to be in the worst shape of his life. When he answered the phone, happier than he's ever answered the phone before. He's like, hey, Tanner, how you doing today? Good to hear your voice. 
I'm just like, hey, Clay, how, how are you doing? <laughs> you know, the man, I'm doing okay. I just had a small hiccup today. Like, okay, all right. A small hiccup, bro, your car was just stolen. But he chose in that moment, he even told me on the phone, he goes, yeah, man, honestly, it's awful, but I'm gonna choose to be happy. And because he did, his vision wasn't fogged. And he was able to work with his insurance company. He was able to get a really fair settlement and put a good down payment on a truck that he's been wanting for a really long time. And if you looked him in the eye, he'd probably even tell you that his circumstances are better now than even when they were before his car was stolen. Happiness is a chosen attitude. Look, look at this quote from Dennis Waitley. It says, happiness cannot be traveled to, owned, earned, worn, or consumed. Happiness is the spiritual experience of living every minute with love, grace, and gratitude. Listen, the enemy will tell you that once you travel somewhere, once you get something, once you consume it, once you obtain it, that then you'll be happy. But that's simply not true. Because if you're not happy now, you're not gonna be happy then. And I know this is the truth because in between my freshman and sophomore year of college, I was entangled in so much sin that it left me in a place just shy of depression. And this is the summer right before I'm going back to my sophomore year. And I remember the enemy lying to me saying, if you can just get back to college, if you can just get back with your friends, if you can just get back to that conforming lifestyle that you've lived forever, if you can just get back to your fraternity, you'll be happy again. And I listened to that lie and I went back and I was happy for like two days. But whenever we live a lifestyle that's conforming to the world around us, that happiness has an expiration date on it. Until so eventually that happiness left and I realized I was so dry on the inside. I had no joy, I had no happiness, and I had been living a certain lifestyle the whole way, but I was ready for a change. I was ready for something different. And it was that way I was ready for like Romans 12, two says, real transformation, to be completely changed. And when I chose that, it wasn't five months down the road that happiness came back into my life. It wasn't five weeks that I had a joy in my life. It wasn't five minutes. No, it was instantaneously that God replaced happiness, a fake emotion, with joy that surpassed any emotion I'd ever had in my entire life in that moment. Listen to this. Joy is the reward you reap from running after God with all of your strength. Joy is the reward that you reap from saying, God, I'm not gonna conform any longer, but I wanna be transformed through your son, Jesus. The last point I wanna share with you guys here today is great faith maintains a great attitude. Great faith maintains a great attitude. When I think of a story of great faith, I think of Acts chapter seven, this man by the name of Stephen. And we know Stephen is the first Christian martyr, the first man who died for the cause of Christ. And we talk about the scripture in Romans 12 too, that when you're transformed, you begin to live a different lifestyle. Stephen was a definition of transform. And because he was so transformed, he began to transform his, his culture around him. He began to, to share the news of Jesus with everybody he came in contact with. And a lot of people's lives started to be changed because of it. Well, the Sanhedrin, which was ancient Israeli uh, council heard about this and they were trying to stop the news, the spread of Jesus. And so they called him in to be questioned. And in that moment, you thought that maybe he would kind of resort back to the lifestyle he used to live or his attitude would shift a little bit and his faith wouldn't be as strong because he knew these people had the power to kill him. 
But he decided, no, I'm not going to change. No, I'm not going to lose faith. And he spoke this message to the Sanhedrin. People, remember, who had the power to kill him. And, and spoke this message, and it affected them and made them so mad that they dragged him out to the streets and began to stone him. And while they're stoning him, he still didn't lose his attitude. In fact, it's written in scripture that while these people were killing him, he literally cried out to the heavens, God, do not hold these sins against them. And in that moment, it says that heaven opened and he could see God sitting at his throne and at his right side, Jesus as well. But Jesus, it says in the scripture, was not sitting, but standing up as if Jesus was so moved by Stephen's attitude that he literally sat up from his throne to get a better view of Stephen's attitude. Could you imagine having the kind of attitude where Jesus would literally stand up from his throne to get a better view of you and how you were impacting and changing the culture around you? Let's just take it down to a smaller level, though. Does your attitude, the attitude that you have right now, is it making people stand for Christ? Does heaven back your attitude? Maybe truth is it, it doesn't yet. Well, the first step to be able to get to that point is to be able to have Jesus come into your heart and literally transform you to focus on him, to dedicate your life to him, to commit to him. So I want to give anybody here listening, an opportunity to do just that. What's so cool about the God that we, we choose to worship, the God who sent his son for us, Jesus, is that Jesus was completely human. And humans, you know, we have emotions, which usually impacts our attitude. And Jesus might have been the most emotional leader to ever live because his emotions that he had for you, it's what drove him to the cross. But his emotions never affected his attitude negatively or else he wouldn't have gone to the cross. But in fact, his emotions affected his attitude so strongly that it drove him to the cross because he loves us just that much. And he went to the cross so that he could take away our attitudes of pride, of shame, of guilt, of lust, of unforgiveness, and replace it with attitudes of that we are forgiven, that we are changed, that I am transformed. And so if you want that choice, if you want to be able to have an awesome attitude someday that's unchanging, it starts with one choice to be able to go after him and to accept him. If that's you, I want to pray over you right now. Dear God, I thank you for those who are, who are viewing in right now. God, I thank you for those who want to make a decision, the first step, Lord, to invite you into their hearts. If there's anybody in here right now, God, who, who wants to choose that, I pray they would call out your name right now. God, they would say, Jesus, I need you, because Jesus, we do. And I thank you that you went to the cross for me. I know I'm a sinner. I know I have worldly attitudes, so I give them to you. Change me from the inside out. Make me new. I want to be transformed. I want to follow you. I love you, O oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, as we go back into worship, I want you to think about this verse. Psalm 139.23 says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. While we worship to this next song, I just want you to think where your attitude has been off, where it's been worldly, where maybe you've chosen wrongful attitudes, where maybe you've let your circumstances define your attitude, and ask God how you can get back on track. There's no better way than to literally surrender those attitudes to Him 
just by saying, God, I need you, I worship you, I exalt you, and let's do that right now.
I have to tell you, there's almost nothing I love more than worshiping God with our worship team here at New Life Church. And for those of you maybe I haven't met yet, I know I've met a number of you. My name is Harry Bates, and my wife Cheryl and I, we're the campus pastors at the West Little Rock campus, and we just love what God is doing at our West Little Rock campus. And uh, I have to tell you, Tanner Bezet, who you just heard from, he's our student pastor, he's our young adult pastor, he and Emily are just amazing leaders. And I have to tell you what, that young man, uh, he, he practices what he preaches. And uh, his attitude is amazing. I just love that about Tanner, just how he always has a positive attitude. And that message spoke to me. It really is true that our attitude determines how high we go, how far we go for the Lord, and how big of a difference we make in people's lives. And so I'm definitely gonna be thinking about that this week. It also reminds me of Pastor Rick so many times. He has taught the staff that we need to have the best attitude in the room, and that probably should be something we should all strive to do. Wherever we're at, whatever room we're walking into, that we have the best attitude in the room. And so right now, I wanna talk to you about something that we talk to you about each and every week, is we talk to you about our giving. And I have to tell you, I'm so thankful for how people are just being so faithful to God during the season with their giving. I know for some people, maybe it's hard, maybe you've lost your job, Things aren't going well for you right now, we totally understand, but, but I know there's so many people just continuing to be faithful. And actually, I met with one of these men this week. He's a good friend of mine, and uh, he's been a member of New Life Church for quite some time, and he just, he loves God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. He actually loves to give, and he's always given to New Life Church, but he wanted to meet with me just to tell me about how the Lord has honestly been speaking to him about increasing his giving and just how the Lord has put it on him to increase his giving, to give a whole tithe back to God. And just with tears in his eyes, telling me about this revelation that he felt like the Lord was giving to him. And I just, it was so encouraging to me just to see him honestly get this new attitude, honestly, as it came to giving and so just like we do every single week here at New Life Church you know you've got many different ways you can give you can give uh, online you can give through our NLC app uh, you can text to give but each and every week uh, when you give Pastor Rick has been praying a prayer of blessing over you and your family at the end of every single one of our uh, digital services and so I, I want to pray that prayer of blessing over you. I also want to let you know I've got a little announcement for you afterwards, but if you don't mind, go ahead and just open your hands up to God right now. And I just want to pray over you, your family, and just wherever you're sitting, wherever you're at right now. So let's pray. God, I just thank you right now. I thank you for your word. How your word is alive and active in our lives, God. We thank you for the word that we heard today that you gave to Pastor Tanner to share with us about having an attitude, God, like yours, an attitude, your attitude, we know, Lord Jesus, was to give up your life for us. And I just pray that we can have the same type of attitude that you did, the same type of love for other people like you did, that we would be willing to put other people first before our own uh, desires, before our own wants, God that when people come in contact with us, they would know there's something different about us and it's because the Spirit of God lives inside of us. It's because we surrender our life to you, Lord Jesus. And I just pray that we would be not only people that love others deeply, but we also would be the first to forgive 
just like you have forgiven us for so much that we wouldn't be people that hold grudges, but we would forgive other people, Lord. I just pray right now also for every marriage represented, uh, of the people that are watching and, and worshiping with us right now, and for every family, for every child, for every relationship and every home, God, that is worshiping with us right now, God, that they would feel your presence with them, God, that you would come into the center of their home and that any relationships that need to be restored, they could be restored right now in this moment, that there could be a healing to take place there, Lord. I also believe without a doubt, God, that your word tells us that uh, we're the head and not the tail, that we're to be above and not beneath, that we're to be more than conquerors, Lord, that we know that we are overcomers because of what you have done for us. And I just pray this week we would go out and we would be people that would have the best attitude in the room. And I just thank you for what you've done and how you've spoken to us here today. Bless all of our friends that are worshiping with us today. We pray this right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, we're so glad that you have joined us today. And I also want to let you know about something else that's happening next weekend. I think we all know the kids are going back to school, right? I know this, this year, probably more than any year, all the mamas and the dads out there are gonna be so excited to take your kids to school. Like you're gonna pull up to school a lot of times, you're crying, so sad, and maybe they're moving up another year. Not this year, you're gonna be kicking them out of the car, like get in that school, <laughs> like get in there now. Like y'all need a break because you've been locked up for way too long. But here's what I wanna let you know is next weekend, next Sunday, at all of our campuses, we're now meeting in 17 of our 18 campuses around the state. We're gonna be praying over all the children, the students, the teachers, all the faculty that are heading back to school in the coming weeks. We're just gonna pray over them. This would be the best school year ever. And so we hope that you can make it out to one of our campuses. We'll be doing that in all of our in-person services at all 17 of our campuses. So. Hopefully you're gonna join us next weekend in person, but also just like every week, we will be having our digital service here. But we look forward to seeing you at one of those places. Thanks so much for worshiping with us today. We pray you have a great rest of your weekend.